This morning I'd love to tell you three true stories and to pray together before we think about them and a Bible passage for today as well. But first of all, before we do that, I'd like to say hello and welcome to those who are dialing in to our service, who are each week uh, phoning the number in order to be able to listen to the address each week. Just to say, God bless you. It's lovely to have you as part of this service with us today. Uh, we hope and pray that you'll be blessed as we all join together in worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, open your word to our hearts, our hearts to your word. Speak to us in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may fulfill the destiny you have for us and live full, free, glorious lives to your praise and glory in the here and now. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The first story I want to relate to you is from the 21st of August 2015. There were three American tourists who were travelling on a sort of a, a trip around Europe and they were travelling on a train towards Paris. Whenever an ISIS terrorist decided to try and wreak havoc and cause mayhem and death on this particular train. The three men had been lifelong friends and um, all of a sudden uh, one of them uh, ran towards the gunman and the two others followed him. And uh, even though he knew he would have to co cover quite a lot of ground running down the aisle of the train towards the gunman who was armed with a, a rifle, also he had a handgun, he had a knife and he had uh, with him a bag with 300 rounds of ammunition. Thankfully, the rifle uh, didn't go off. It jammed whenever the terrorist fired at the first of the three Americans as they ran down the train towards him. After that, there was a, a violent struggle and uh, they managed to overcome the terrorist. And um, none of the 500 people on the train were killed that day. And uh, the terrorist was taken into custody. Afterwards, uh, whenever the three Americans were interviewed, they stated that they believed that God had them on that train on that day in order to save people's lives. It was a wonderful act of heroism. And because of what they'd done, uh, the French president awarded each of them the Legion of Honour, Fra France's highest uh, decoration. Uh, incidentally, one that um, Susan's paternal grandfather was also awarded uh, due to his part in the Battle of the Somme. Uh, so this um, uh, Legion of Honour was given to the three of them uh, because of their heroism. And uh, the, the, the story has now been made into a book and also as well into a film called uh, 1517 Paris, uh, the time of uh, the journey when the train took off uh, from Belgium and headed towards Paris. And also that film was directed by Clint Eastwood. The, throughout the film, and, and the film finishes with this prayer prayed by one of the young men on a regular basis. Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. 
Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. We conclude this series, Fruitfulness on the Front Line, with the theme, The Journey On. Where do we go from here after looking at some of the themes we've been looking at over these last eight weeks? Thankfully for each of us, our journey will most likely not include thwarting an ISIS terrorist attack on a train. But nonetheless, we are all called to acts of heroism. That may sound quite a strong description, but I know was over the years there are many times that I have I've really thought about the, the heroism of members of our church family or our Christian community. Often those times come, um, sadly, whenever uh, I learn more about people's lives whenever they've passed away. Sometimes it comes during their lifetime in conversation because quite often people are too humble to say or, or others don't tell the description of their lives. So often uh, I've heard of stories of, of people uh, overcoming those involved in criminal activity or uh, those who have cared for relatives who have been perhaps sick and confined to a bed, not just uh, for days or weeks, but for months and years and even for decades. Even in these last number of months, a lady from our church community has passed away. Um, I discovered how for many years she cared for her husband. And there have been numerous stories and people showing that type of heroism. During this lockdown crisis, we've thought about the heroism of people who perhaps we've never thought of their day-to-day -day working lives as being full of heroic activity, key workers, um, members of the medical profession. And yet they're doing what they normally do. They're, they're doing what they have done among us for, for, for months and for years, perhaps even for decades. What if we were to think and to recognize that everyone every day is involved in some type of heroic action. That each of us uh, are facing and face every day challenges to overcome. That each of us have opportunities to do good. That each of us are capable of, in Christ's strength, being instruments of peace instruments where we sow love where there is hatred, faith where there is doubt, and that in, in dying, giving ourselves away for the sake of other people, in all the many little things that we do, in doing our work or uh, whatever that happens to be, or all the little activities of our day-to-day -day lives can be full of sowing goodness, and giving ourselves away, dying to ourselves and living for Christ. If we're willing to trust that we in his strength and his name can be instruments of peace. Wouldn't it be a wonderfully transformed world 
if we recognize that everyone, every school child, every student, every um, toddler, every adult, everyone as they go about their day-to-day work are called to acts of heroism, acts to overcome fear, to overcome challenges internally and externally and to do good to others. There was a school principal whose week started on a cold February morning and discovering that the central heating boiler had broken. She already had a very full diary for that day. Now she had to find enough heaters to go in the classrooms so that the school could continue that day. That's how her school week started. And the end of that Monday in that particular week, there was a pupil of the school who once again, who'd been troublesome many, many times, causing all sorts of havoc, who once again was very troublesome that day. And so with great reluctance, the school principal excluded that pupil for a period of time from the life of the school. When she got home that evening, she could well have slumped into a chair and had a good whinge or perhaps had a, a good binge on a, on a box set or a bottle of wine or, or a big litre of ice cream. But amazingly, she said, whenever she was, she was talking a bit about her story, she said that she did none of those things. Instead, she found herself, somewhat to her surprise, thanking God that he had trusted her with all of those things. Isn't that a wonderful perspective to have? You see, she, she was discovering what Christian maturity is about. Discovering that not only do we trust God in this relationship, but he trusts us. He trusts us to carry out all of the things, all of the good works that he is sending our way every day. That is Christian maturity. We are all called to rule and reign with Christ. Every single human being is called to do that. If we hear the whisper of God's call and respond to Jesus Christ, turning away from a second-rate life and turning towards him to grasp hold of all of the wonder that he has for us, to enter into a new phase of life, to turn our lives around and to embrace all that he has for us, then we're, we're grasping hold of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to receive forgiveness for what is past and to breathe in afresh his Holy Spirit and to follow in his footsteps. And so for all of us, there is this wonderful opportunity, not just to rule and reign in the new heaven and a new earth, but in the here and now. This is where we get to participate and to practice for what comes ahead in the here and now. And so we're all called, like that school principal, to enter into a place of maturity, to realize that God's call on our life, amazingly, is one in which we are called to be co-creators co-rulers with Christ, yes, under his authority, and yes, for his glory. The 
question is, are we willing to take that level of responsibility? The story of the human race, of course, is that often we haven't been willing. From the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, deciding to cut corners and not to live out the full glorious responsibility that they had been given. Of course, the human story has been uh, laced with that uh, fall ever since. And yet the call remains in Christ because Christ has come to make all things new, to reconcile everything, to begin creation again, to to, to bring recreation about that we are a new creation in Christ, that Christ crucified, Christ risen from the dead has brought about a new beginning for us. And what we're doing as Christians is turning toward Christ and entering entering into that new beginning and taking again that new responsibility, that original responsibility to live out heroic lives for Christ by accepting all of the responsibility and not shirking any of the responsibility that he's given us to look after creation, to be those who love others, to serve others, to do work to the utmost of our ability in every facet of our day-to-day lives. And we remember that that work incorporates the widest sense of work. No matter whether we are toddlers, no matter whether we no longer work, no matter whether we volunteer, uh, whatever, that word work encompasses absolutely everything that we do. It's a privilege to have those opportunities to do good and to do to show mercy and grace to other people. As we've been looking at over these last eight weeks, that involves modelling godly character, making good work, ministering grace and love, moulding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice, and being a messenger of the gospel. That's what it means to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Every week, we spend perhaps a couple of hours uh, engaged in uh, gathering online now in terms of worship or being part of a life group. And and those activities of fellowship and and worship and equipping and empowering and, and prayer and serving each other are vitally important for all of us. But you know, they only take up a few hours of our week. There are 168 hours in every week and God is interested in every single one of them. Whether we're among our family or in the neighbourhood or friends or involved in paid employment, um, whether we're looking after children, no matter what it is, God is interested in it. And God is sovereign, God is in charge, God is king in that situation. If we're willing to acknowledge that, then we too can be participants, partners with him in that. Everything is sacred. Over these decades, in fact, over these last number of centuries, we've been um, somewhat deluded in our society of, of thinking that there's some sort of secular and sacred divide. But actually, everything is sacred. Because God's desire, having made creation, 
is to fill everything with his glory. That creation is like his temple and that he has made us as the pinnacle of his creation. Yes, creatures, but creatures who represent God himself, living, breathing, statues, icons, representations in the temple of God. And the temple is all of the cosmos, all of creation. We have this unique call as human beings, as representing the invisible, all-powerful creator in the midst of his creation as created beings. What a wonderful and unique calling we have. And so everything is sacred because God's design and desire is to fill all of his creation, all of the cosmos with the fullness of his glory. And we have a unique role within that as those who are stewards of the whole of creation. What a wonderfully high calling we have. And so let's see and understand all of our week, every hour of every day and every day of every week, all of our lives being opportunities to represent God in the midst of his creation, to live full, free, glorious lives to his praise and glory. The last true story I want to tell you is about a farmer, a man of godly character. He was a fair employer. He was respected in the community for being a hard worker and also for being a fair, employ a fair employer and for running the farm really well. He had a good relationship with all of his employees and um, he, he prayed for them. Uh, they knew that he prayed for them and uh, they, they really seemed to respect him and the fact that he was a fair employer and that he was a generous man and um, he, he treated his workers well. Uh, one of the workers on his farm was a foreign national and uh, he treated her well as he treated all of his, all of his workers. To his surprise, after a while, um, the young woman who was a foreign national turned up on the farm one evening and um, it was around harvest time, a busy time of the year. And uh, well, she was wearing her best clothes and uh, she was looking her very best and she had on her perfume. And to his surprise, this woman who was considerably younger than himself uh, made it abundantly clear that she was romantically interested in him. Well, he was surprised, pleasantly surprised, and uh, he was very open to the possibility of relationship, but he realized that there were some legal issues and that if the relationship was to happen at all, that these would need to be resolved. And so quite quickly, he uh, went about helping to resolve these legal issues. Well, to cut a long story short, romance blossomed, they married, and they had a son. The story I'm telling you, of course, is the story of Boaz and Ruth that we can read about in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. 
In a moment, we'll hear chapter two of that story read. And when, when you listen to the story in chapter two of Ruth, listen to how Boaz prays for his workers, how he greets them. The Lord be with you. It's a prayer. It's a prayer of blessing. Notice how they respond to him. Notice how he treats his workers as an employer. Notice how he treats vulnerable, uh, vulnerable Ruth, who has come basically to, to pick up scraps of, of the harvest to glean around the edges of the field. She and her mother-in-law, Naomi, are living pretty much in poverty and, and she's a very, in a very vulnerable position. But notice how Boaz has moulded a culture on his farm where people work hard, where people look out for each other, where there is honesty, where there is generosity, and where there is care for those who are vulnerable, those who are employees, who are, who are in a vulnerable position. And notice how Naomi, how Ruth cares for her mother-in-law, Naomi by, by making sure that she brings the food back to her so that her mother-in-law from uh, previous, her first, Ruth's first marriage um, is also cared for. And um, just notice how the generosity and the love uh, emanates from both Ruth and Boaz's life. It's no wonder that these people who, this couple, both of whom lived a life in which they both acknowledged God. They lived lives of prayer where they were always relying on God for everything, where they molded a culture in the lives and the relationships in which they lived, where they, they lived lives of, of generosity and grace and love towards other people, where they stood up for the vulnerable, and uh, they made sure that sure they were looked after. It's no wonder that God chose these two people, not just to bless those who were immediately around them, but to bless us here today, to bless us all, because Boaz and Ruth were the great grandparents of King David. And from that line came Jesus, the Lord, our Saviour. May we live lives like Boaz and Ruth. May we live lives with all of those aspects of how we can glorify God that we've been looking at over these last eight weeks. Fulfilling the wonderful call, the full dignity that we have as human beings. Living lives of quiet heroism. Not looking for anyone to notice that heroism except God alone, who's made us for this wonderful, unique relationship with him. Being always ready in action and in word to give glory to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we offer you ourselves afresh today. Lord, we trust and we believe in you. And we trust and believe that through Jesus Christ, you've given us a new start, a new hope for this life and the one to come, to rule and to reign with you, to fulfill our destiny. Lord, thank you that you have good work for us to do every day of our lives, that you've planted in us the spirit of Jesus Christ, 
this wonderful mystery of you making everything right. Thank you for reconciling all of creation to yourself and us with it. May we acknowledge that truth and acknowledge you as King. And Lord, may our lives be full of praise and glory. May our lives be full of blessing other people. Lord, help us to focus and concentrate. Help us to be available. Help us to submit to you. We thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know, Lord, that you have shaped us and created us in, in a way which is, has a wonderful complexity to it. And Lord, that we are your instruments of peace in this world. And so we pray, fathers, as your co-workers, as your co-designers, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying, dying to ourselves, that we are born to eternal life. Amen.